It's Abby from NCJW Pittsburgh, and you're listening to Bridges to Equity, a new podcast bringing you the best of progressive conversations in Pittsburgh so that you can join in. Today, I sat down with Aviva Zadoff from NCJW New York, the founder of the Pro-Truth Campaign, a coalition of reproductive rights advocates, policymakers, and service providers united to fight fake abortion clinics. Crisis pregnancy centers, or CPCs, are a huge hot topic in Pennsylvania, let me paint a picture for you. In the U.S. in general, CPCs outnumber abortion clinics three to one. Now that's a lot. In PA, the ratio is a whopping nine to one. So listen up, get educated, and click the link in the show notes to take our quick survey to help us grow our funding and help us make even better podcasts for you. All right. Thanks for joining me, Aviva. So, okay, we're obviously meeting virtually, but if we were having this conversation at a coffee shop, so I'm ordering an oat milk latte, what are you getting? I'm super boring. I'm, I really like coffee, but I try to avoid it. So I usually go for like a black tea, like an English breakfast tea or an Earl Grey. I really love my tea. <laughs> mm, me too. I love that. What's kind of your role in the pro-truth campaign? Um, what do you do? Have you been there since the beginning? Yeah. So to, um, we launched pro-truth in 2018 but we had been working on it for about a year before we officially launched it and I actually came up with the idea of the campaign and at this point I direct the campaign and I'm a staff person at the National Council of Jewish Women New York which is the lead organization on the pro-truth campaign and it really was sort of born out of what we were seeing in in New York and in particularly progressive spaces in New York where people didn't necessarily know that what a crisis pregnancy center was that it existed and if they maybe knew a little bit about it they didn't realize that like they existed here in New York they thought that's something for Texas or Ohio and they didn't know that there are crisis pregnancy centers everywhere including in New York City the supposed you know abortion capital of the world and so we really felt like we wanted to do something that educated people around the issue of crisis pregnancy centers for people who consider themselves um, advocates in progressive spaces, but also, and more importantly, for people who are targeted by crisis pregnancy centers. And, um, you know, we've always said our mission is not to shut these places down. They have a right to exist, but we believe that they should be honest about their agenda and what they're trying to do. And we want everyone to be able to access um, reproductive health care in a choice, uh, in a, in a, you know, facility of their choice. And so if they want to receive care at a crisis pregnancy center, that's their um, prerogative. But if they don't, then they should know that these places exist and how to avoid them because what they do so well is to try to look and sound like a legitimate clinic purposefully to try to get people, unsuspecting people to come in and um, essentially trick them into use, using their services. So if people know that these places exist before they're in a situation where they might need them, they could be on the lookout, they could talk to their friends, to their community members about them, and they could choose where they get their health care from. Yeah, no, it's funny. You said you think of these centers as a, as a thing you'd find in other states. We definitely have a big issue with that here in Pennsylvania. PA was actually the first 
state to divert public funding to crisis pregnancy centers. And so they outnumber abortion clinics in our state by, I mean, a large amount. Um, we have, they've received over $100 million in public money since the 90s here in Pennsylvania. Um, and pretty much for every dollar that goes towards like women's health care at like abortion clinics, a dollar has to go to uh, crisis pregnancy centers, which is just kind of bonkers. Um, is there any landscape like that for public funding in New York? So we're really lucky. We are a state that does not fund crisis pregnancy centers at this point. We have seen examples of individual lawmakers who use discretionary funds to fund individual crisis pregnancy centers in their district. And again, that's something we can't stop an individual lawmaker from doing. It's their discretionary funds and they're allowed to use it as they see fit. But when we have seen instances of that happen, we've done what we can to bring attention to those individual lawmakers and you should let them know that that's not how you would like that money to be spent. But yeah, the the public funding of crisis pregnancy centers is a huge issue and we've seen it on the st city, state, and federal level that it um, it helps legitimize these places and it also, yeah, it helps them to have more facilities across the country and that is part of their strategy, right? The more places that they um, set up, the more chances that somebody will accidentally come in to a crisis pregnancy center. So it really is a numbers game for them. And they've been able to get state legislatures to fund them. And they've also worked to get a lot of money through federal family planning grants that they use to, to support them as well. No, that's kind of wild. I mean, I, I like how you pointed out the main issue that much of the work that these centers are doing is just like perfectly fine. You know, like here in Pittsburgh, there's a lot of centers that, uh, you know, they give out diapers and kids clothes. I mean, and that's all like super awesome. And it's it's just honing in on like that deceptive practices that it's that it's like, you know, really anyone can buy like an ultrasound machine off of Amazon, apparently. Right. And yeah, you need to make sure you're actually going to a real medical clinic like just the deception itself is the is the main issue. Um, and I like being focused on it because it just feels like just being clear about our information is kind of what we have to offer to this, right? Like that they're intentionally being deceptive, intentionally being like, oh yeah, we have staff that are trained to give ultrasounds. Like, well, are they a nurse, right? Or are they a trained staff mm -hmm. or like, no. So when did like you first become aware mm. of these clinics, Aviva? Like, have you known about them your whole life? Or like, how did you learn about them initially? Yeah, I, and I'll totally answer that question, but I also want to go back to something you said in terms of like handing out diapers or material aid, um, which is something a lot of these places do, but a lot of them also tie that material aid to like religious classes that they offer or like church groups that they're affiliated with, Ooh, which, yeah. you know, it, it's also, in our opinion, not appropriate and like, um, and I think from our perspective, what we feel is that if there is a need for those services, then that should be done through organizations that are not tying those services or those material needs to any sort of behavior or um, specific thought process. You yeah. know, from our perspective, like our organization does a lot of different direct service programs, including a food pantry, right? And like, we would never require a food pantry participant to like 
go to a class on you know Judaism for instance and yeah you know that is there's like a bit of an ick factor there as well in terms of like are you making those services dependent on again furthering your beliefs and agenda um yeah like it's not really free you're mm-hmm. not really giving something freely if you know whether it's you're charging money for it or whether you're charging attendance at some kind of class or bible study like that's not actually a free service yeah right, right. no that's an important distinction yeah thank you for saying that you know it's it's here in like here in this area i think here in we're in allegheny county and so we have a lot of a lot uh of funding for different social service programs but i think when we look at like rural pennsylvania you know there's a lot of places that literally don't have any spots to go to for free diapers like they don't have you know any services at all and so it's like that's almost an issue about like spreading resources equally right like across the state some people don't even have access to it maybe like the only place within an hour's drive if they even have a car Mm -hmm. giving out diapers would be a crisis pregnancy center and so it's just sort of you know it's almost like entrapment it's sort of hard to access things depending on where you are depending on your poverty levels I don't know. There's just a lot of considerations. Um, Absolutely. And we actually, um, we worked last um, legislative session with our state legislature to do kind of a study of these um, in the bill. They're called limited service pregnancy centers, but really to understand the impact they're having across the state on pregnant people and pregnancy outcomes and understanding like where there are gaps of services across the state, because, you know, here in New York City, there's a lot of services and access to services, but, you know, across New York State, there's a lot of, you know, more rural areas and there are real service deserts. And so trying to understand the landscape of services for pregnant people and people who have had children to understand where they can get services and how limited service pregnancy centers or Christ pregnancy centers are impacting those services Unfortunately, the study has not been able to begin because a crisis pregnancy center sued to stop the study from happening. So why would that? Why don't you (laughs) want people to just know the truth? Right, right. What what could you be hiding if you don't want to have a state study? Um, Yeah. So right now that is being worked out. um, But it's sort of um, again. Yeah. What what are you hiding? What? what can't we know about what's ha- operating, you know, how you're operating and why is a study so threatening to you? All of those mm. are really good questions. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I know there's been a lot of conversation, you know, since Roe v. Wade fell about some of these centers collecting data and how they might be using data in a sort of surveillance way in places like Texas or places where your anti-abortion folks um, want to pass bans Um is, have you looked into, obviously it can be kind of hard to figure out what these centers are up to if they especially don't want to you know, share the truth, but have you looked into or thought about in the pro-truth campaign ways that these centers are collecting data on women and how they could use that in sort of a threatening way in other states especially? Yeah, I mean, we've seen examples even before all of these laws have been passed that crisis pregnancy centers have been abusing people's data because, you know, the power of these places is that they look and sound like legitimate clinics. And so when people come in, they think they're at a medical center and they fill out information about themselves. If they're not an actual licensed 
medical center, they're not bound by HIPAA, the privacy laws that protect us as patients. And so we have heard of instances of um, crisis pregnancy centers, particularly using a person's emergency contact to get in touch with somebody's partner or parent um, to say, did you know this person came in here looking to oh. get an abortion? which can be incredibly dangerous to somebody given, you know, their home situation. If there's a reason they're not telling their, you know, people in their family about wanting to seek an abortion. So it's, Whoa. yeah. So that is, has already been happening and is such a glaring example of um, how these places deceive people, how they abuse, you know, their power, but also how little they actually care about a pregnant person and the safety and well-being of that person um because if they're willing to put them at risk of you know a situation at home that might be unsafe for them i mean yeah that's that's really dangerous actually you know women who are in uh you know a, a relationship that might lean towards domestic violence right that often that those experiences often come out when the woman in the relationship is in a more vulnerable position, such as like mm -hmm. pregnancy, that's when those tendencies will start coming out. And I mean, that's, that's pretty scary. Um, especially like maybe a teenager or a college student whose parents would maybe cut them off from funding. Um, if right. They, knew. they could kick them out of their house. They could, you know, and, and because these places try to look and sound like legitimate clinics, a person goes in and they think they have those protections um, around their privacy and how their information is going to be used. And that is not always the case. Yeah. That's, ugh. <laughs> that's kind of creepy. I, yeah. It could, they could actually ruin someone's life using that call. Ugh. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe circling back first, when did you first hear about these clinics and when did you first become aware of them? Um, and what was that kind of like for you? Yeah. So I think um, in New York City, there used to be on the subways, these ads and they would be sort of like a forlorn looking person. They're sad, <laughs> they're emotional. And it would say pregnant with a question mark and then like just a number to call. And um, and then when I started getting more involved with, um, local reproductive rights advocacy, um, which was probably about 2015, 2016, I was sitting with somebody who had been doing this work in New York for a long time. And they're like, have you ever seen those ads on the subway? And I was like, yeah, they're like, that's for a crisis pregnancy center. Um, so the truth was that like, I had been exposed to them before I even knew that they existed, which is the case for a lot of people. Um, but I really became aware once I started doing a lot more in-depth advocacy work on a local level and talking to other advocates who have been doing this for even longer than I have um, on some of the, the core issues here in New York uh, around accessing abortion. And by yeah. the way, those those subway ads are now no longer legal thanks to a New York City requires in advertising around crisis pregnancy centers they have to have like a disclosure that they're not a licensed medical provider so yeah stop doing a lot of those kinds of ads interesting 
if you can't hide the truth, then they're not even running the app. Like, have you seen people coming in from out of state and having to help people navigate like a new climate in New York City? Because I, I mean, I saw a really tragic news piece on CNN from a woman, I believe, who's from Tennessee, who had to come to New York City for an abortion. And she was really sad that she couldn't recover, you know, in her own room. She was in sort of like a tiny apartment bedroom from just a kind stranger. And and I'm just curious if if you think that these crisis pregnancy centers have found an opportunity uh, to deceive people coming in from states where abortion's not legal. Talk about openly wanting to kind of bombard abortion-friendly states because they know that people are going to be coming here to access services and they're trying to create as many barriers to people actually accessing services. So, you know, if you're coming from another state, you know, you might not know anybody around here. You might, you know, be in a situation where you're traveling alone and, you know, there's a lot going on. It's emotional. It's scary. It's a highly um, sensitive time. And so they're looking to take advantage of that and have as many crisis pregnancy centers possible to try to to trick people. It's not your local clinic. It's not the place you're used to going. If there's a crisis pregnancy center next door across the street, that could add to confusion. We have in one of um, the biggest Planned Parenthood clinics in the state here in Brooklyn, there's a crisis pregnancy center in the same building. It's literally like two floors away. And so you get in the elevator and it's just a matter of like pressing the right button And again, if like this isn't the place you're used to going and you're dealing with all of these other um, factors, it's it's not unthinkable that like you would be confused and you wouldn't know which place to go to, Um, you know, and they they name themselves to sound like legitimate clinics. And there was a, a clinic in the Bronx that was across the street from another Planned Parenthood that literally had um a sign this huge sign outside is saying planning your parenthood and like this was in a very heavily like spanish-speaking area so like if english is not you know the language you're most comfortable with planned parenthood and planning your parenthood that's a very nuanced thing to to have to distinguish between so these are all things that are intentional and part of a larger plan that they have and abortion gets more restricted across this country and as people have fewer places to go they'll basically just you know be able to narrow in on those locations and try to overwhelm with the number of crisis pregnancy centers that's something i didn't even think about that if the kinds of people who are supporting crisis pregnancy centers feel that they've won you know in a state like texas that they can then almost increase their funding in neighboring states to lead some of these deceptive advertising campaigns. I mean, it's funny because when you mentioned naming their clinics similarly, my first thought was, oh, well, Planned Parenthood's a pretty well-known name. And I was thinking about the smaller independent abortion clinics that they might be more easily spoofed because it's not like a nationwide known name. But then you immediately gave the example, it's like, no, Planned Parenthood's not immune to having their name spoofed. Yeah, and I think um, in terms of sort of our strategy in in dealing with that is um, to partner with abortion funds who are helping people facilitate this travel 
to make sure that they're talking to their clients about crisis pregnancy centers and what to be aware of and the signs of what to look out for so that they're putting it on their radar and helping them hopefully navigate those situations so that they don't end up in a crisis pregnancy center. We have a really great partnership with the Latina Institute of New York, and they work with a lot of young women in the Bronx and, again, a lot of Spanish-speaking women, and they talk to, you know, their communities. And we think that's so powerful to have those partnerships with organizations that are already working with those communities that have those Mm -hmm. relationships, that have that trust to be able to navigate how to have those conversations. And we're sort of there to provide resources, support, help however we can, but recognize that it's not necessarily our place to be going into those communities and talking about where people should be getting their health care and mm-hmm. rather creating strong partnerships with groups that already have those relationships and those connections. They also yeah. will also target like college students. That's a big group because a lot of college students are really in need of free medical services. And so like if there's a free pregnancy test and ultrasound, like that's attractive to a college student. Um, So it will also often set up in neighborhoods around colleges. And sometimes even they get to like, they will partner with college groups and be able to like advertise on campus. And that is also something that we've tried to work with universities and colleges to make them aware of the dangers of these places and um, why they shouldn't be allowed to advertise on on campus. Tell me more about that because we we spoke with some college students um, here in Pittsburgh who are sort of working to get their university more aware because here we have in the Pitt News, um, University of Pittsburgh's paper, the crisis pregnancy centers advertise so that's something that it's been it's been a lot it's been a fight you know for these students to try to figure out how to get ads removed in on campus bulletin yeah. boards on campus newspapers what has it been like for you in New York City like how has it differed and have you had successes there in fighting misinformation on campus So we haven't done it so much in New York City we um cuz we also have a Pro Truth Florida campaign that we partner with NCJW Miami on Oh okay um, And so the Florida group has been working more on that and it's been a grind really. And I think it's, it's really about getting some ground support within the university and bringing it to the upper levels of of decision makers. There are going to be administrations that are more open and willing to to listen and some that are less. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, it's important to get support from clubs and even, you know, professors, but also, again, to raise awareness. So, like, if there is a student publication that would be willing to write about the truth of crisis pregnancy centers and point out that, like, the university is allowing them to have paid advertisements in a publication, like, that could be really powerful, doing some sort of, like, petitioning around getting them stop giving them advertising space just to show the support that students, um, you know, how many students would support an initiative like that. That's yeah. I like that idea of it being student led. 
so you said okay so the pro-truth campaign's active in new york active in miami slash florida mm -hmm. are there any other locations that you're active in or like moving into not right now we're open we're interested if there are areas or sections that would would want to get involved we certainly are open to that but yeah for right now this is where we are <laughs> that's pretty exciting that it's it's sort of like open to open to grow mm -hmm. um so Listen, I mean the thing about Grace pregnancy <laughs> centers is that it's an issue everywhere so like yeah we're we're willing to to um you know it's a, a campaign that could be replicated in in other places the campaign in New York and Miami looks slightly different because like Florida and New York are two very different landscapes when it comes to <laughs> um, abortion access and reproductive rights. So it's it's certainly adaptable because the core message around like the education and activism around crisis pregnancy center remains the same. You know, just how exactly that might look might be dependent on where you live. So yeah, I guess before before we kind of wrap, do you have any big wins or any any things that you're particularly proud of uh, to share or like a success yes. story? So passing the study bill was a huge, exciting thing because we really felt like it would create a, not only like help us to understand the landscape of how these places are impacting um, pregnant people, but also give us some data about what's actually happening in these places. Because as you mentioned, like it's really hard to know what's happening in these places. And getting a non-partisan you know, partisan group like the Department of Health to just have some underlying data would be really helpful in understanding the full picture. We also got a New York City bill passed, which is going to allow for a large-scale um, campaign, an education campaign in New York City, um, wow. which we were, yeah, we were really excited about because they will have a much wider reach than than we can um we can do spreading the word and getting the message out is so important so those have been two two really big wins for us yay <laughs> that's so <laughs> awesome <laughs> i i'm feeling really inspired i'm i'm kind of getting ideas for things that maybe we can do in pittsburgh right like i think it's a real model uh and i hope that we can see pro truth campaigns like all over the country in the future I guess for a listener today who's super fired up and wants to get involved, what should they do? Well, you could start by going to protruthny.org, which um, is our ProTruth website. And that is where sort of like our hub of information is. Like, I didn't even talk about like, we have this amazing interactive map that plots out every crisis pregnancy center across the state, along wow. with actual legitimate um clinics so if people are looking for services they can find a service um, um you know a clinic near them but also like just gives a really important visual of like these places across new york and how many of them there are but there's also a ton of information about crisis pregnancy centers and ways to get involved and i think the first most important step is to start like talking about these places with your friends with your communities because again so many people don't know that these places exist and the potential harm that they pose to people and we want people to have that awareness and to be talking about it and and the secrecy around these places so that they don't get to trick and deceive people because we know that they're there and we're on the lookout <laughs> 
Yeah, I like that. Just talking about it. I think a lot of people don't know. And these kinds of places can really thrive in the shadows. So just sort of like, let's just get that spotlight going so that there's not any shadows, nowhere to hide. Um, because the truth, the truth is not something to be scared of. And I, I just love that pro-truth, the, the way you've named the campaign, because it's really just about facts. It's not, it's just, a, it's just facts. Like there's exactly. nothing to be scared of about the truth. As there shouldn't be for some, you know. <laughs> that conclusion really says it all. Tell a friend what you learned today about CPCs in PA and New York. You can even send them the podcast and discuss it afterwards. Visit protruthny.org to learn more. And just a reminder to take the survey linked in the chat. See you next time.